It's Twitter Tuesday on today's Locked on Giants podcast. We have over a dozen of your questions coming up next. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena, and it is a Twitter Tuesday edition of the Locked On Giants podcast. We have over a dozen of your questions submitted via Twitter, via our new uh, phone number, which you can also text us at. Um, we also have some email questions, so all all in all, we have 16 questions for today's show. Great questions as always. I look forward to answering them. And uh, before I do, I want to thank everybody as always for making the Locked on Giants podcast your first listen of the day or your first watch of the day. Really appreciate all the feedback that I get and especially on YouTube where we're still kind of new over there, but uh, picking up some steam. So thank you to everybody. Like I said, we've got 16 questions, so let's not waste any more time. Let's get right into them. All right, we're going to kick one off with a question from Jeremy Davis, who writes, we have talked a lot about all the good and excited changes the Giants have made this this offseason, but do you see any major red flags at this time or anything that concerns you? All right, Jeremy, thank you for that question. I would say um, red flags, no. The only thing that might concern me just a tad is that Brian Dable has never been a head coach before. And we have been down this path with um, Ben McAdoo. We have been down this path with um, with uh, Joe Judge. And those two obviously didn't work out for different reasons. I do feel optimistic that Dable will work out. But that would probably be the only concern I would have at this point, given what I know. And right now, I'll, I'll, I'll disclaimer, I know very little as far as the personalities and how they're going to work and all that stuff. So thank you for that question, Jeremy. All right. Up next, we have a question from Lou at Giants underscore fan 81, who writes, Wondering what is the ideal scenario for them at five and seven picks? Personally, I'd love a tackle at five, trade back, acquire more capital in this draft, and even a pick next year and draft Linderbaum. All right, Lou, thank you for that question. Right now, it's kind of hard to say what the ideal scenario is because we haven't had free agency yet. So therefore, um, if somebody wanted to trade up to number five to get a quarterback, that all is going to depend on what Carolina does. Does Carolina go and get a quarterback this offseason? If it does, then I would say maybe the sense of urgency for somebody to trade up to number five is going to be reduced. Um, it's also going to depend on who signs who in free agency, what the needs are. And the other thing that we need to, to find out is um, how these draft prospects are going to work out in terms of not just the combine, but in terms of their pro days. So I think this is, I don't think there's any one ideal scenario that I can give you right at this moment. I think if we revisit this question, maybe at the beginning of April, I can better say, okay, this is what I anticipate is going to happen. So right now, I mean, I, I couldn't even sit here and tell you who I think they're going to draft the Giants being 
they um i don't i couldn't tell you who they're going to draft in uh at, at number five and number seven i do however agree with you that um if they can trade one of those picks to move down preferably that number five pick i would do it for a number of reasons number one get a better value number two you lessen the salary cap hit you're going to have to take with your draft class so that i i guess you know if, if you're looking at an ideal scenario that would be it but as far as who to pick and all that stuff it's it's just too early to say lou so uh but i hope i still answered your your question nonetheless all right this next question comes from adam garrison who writes, do you see any scenario given the early scouting reports where the Giants use picks five or seven on a quarterback? No, no, they're not drafting a quarterback, Adam. I don't think there's one in this class that, quite honestly, the value is there for them to draft them that high. So no, I, I don't see it. And plus, you know, I don't know how many more times we have to say this, but John Mara himself stood in front of the media, went on the record and said he would be stunned if Daniel Jones is not the starting quarterback. Joe Shane has endorsed Daniel Jones as the starting quarterback. Brian Dable has endorsed Daniel Jones as the starting quarterback. Now, unless Daniel's neck is a problem and he is not ready, I don't know what further proof people want as far as, you know, what the Giants are going to do. They need an offensive lineman um, they need help on defense. That's where I see those first two picks going if they keep them. So, so no, sorry. I don't see a quarterback at number five or number seven. All right. Up next, uh, this is JDJ, I believe, who writes, um, let's see. Do you see Kadarius Tony taking a big step from year one to year two in an offense better suited for his talents? Also, do you think he can stay healthy, which was an issue last year and in college all right um regarding the first your first question about taking a big step sure why not i mean i i've got no reason to believe right now that he won't i mean last year was kind of a funky type of year with how things got started and then with him dealing with covid and all that stuff so i gotta think it's gonna get better now as far as the injury question i i can't give you an answer on that you know the one thing Dave Gettleman, I know people don't want to hear this, but one thing he used to say that, that does make sense is injured guys are going to get injured. And once a guy has kind of an injury history, he's more susceptible to that. And I, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, last Friday when we had Dr. Eric Friedman on the show to discuss Giants injuries, he kind of alluded to that as well. So that being said, you would hope that um, that the Giants' new staff um, emulates some of what Buffalo did. Buffalo was one of the healthiest teams, I think, in the league last year and has been historically. So you would hope that they would find a way to keep these guys healthy so that they're not pulling hamstrings and having calf issues and groin issues and all this other stuff that the Giants have traditionally had to deal with. So hope that answers your question. Thank you for that question, JDJ. All right, Giant fans, we have plenty more on today's podcast. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more of your questions on Twitter Tuesday. All right, Giant fans, we have more on today's Locked on Giants podcast. But first, football season might be over, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. For all the latest odds, total 
totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline.net is also the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season, whether it's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC. Head on over to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. You've got a Twitter Tuesday and I am Patricia Trena answering your questions as I do every Tuesday for the most part. Sometimes we do it on a Thursday, but for the most part we do Tuesday and happy to do so. And uh, before I get into the next batch of questions... Coming up at some point this week, I'm going to do it, folks. Yeah, I I don't want to do it because I think it's early, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to try my hand at a mock draft. So uh, listen, the way I see it, could I be any uh, more wrong than the other mock drafts that are out there? Who knows? Maybe I might even hit it. I mean, we'll see. But uh, a, a lot of you have asked me about a mock draft and said, hey, when are you going to do your first mock draft? Normally, I don't like to do them this early, but you know what? Why not? Why not? What do I have to lose, right? And and, and hey, if nothing else, mock away, as I always say. So mock draft is coming up. What day? I don't know yet, but uh, I'm going to try it. So, all right, we've got Twitter Tuesday. Let's get back to your questions and we'll kick this next one off with um, Eric Campan, Mr. Trey Amigos, who asks, what do you think the eventual pathway the new GM will take with respect to the draft and free agency? What do you see the floor and the ceiling for the season being with the fact that we have to get out from salary cap issues? And do you feel the new regime is truly behind DJ? Okay, multiple questions in there. Um, let me answer that last one. Yes, I do think that they are behind Daniel Jones. Um, I think they looked at the film, that they looked at the circumstances. And look, Daniel Jones, the jury's still out on him. There's no question about it. But the Giants haven't helped him. And I've been saying this for a long time. The Giants finally acknowledged it. I think they want to give this kid a chance to, to prove once and for all that he's either the guy or he is not the guy. So, yes, I do believe that they are behind him. All right. Now, as far as the eventual pathway with respect to the draft and free agency, um, I think it's going to vary. I think down the line you're going to see Joe Shane do a mixture of both with more of an emphasis on the draft, which is how it should be. For this year, though, as um, you correctly pointed out, the salary cap is a mess and they're going to have to clear about $40 million just to have enough room, breathing space, if you will, to sign guys and, and re-sign guys if they so choose to, plus pay their draft class. So this year is kind of an anomaly. I would say don't use what happens this year as the pattern for what's going to happen next year and the year after that and the year after that, because, you know, you're right, the, the, the salary cap's a mess. Um, any good GM worth his his weight in gold will tell you the way to build is through the draft. And I think that is ultimately how Joe Shane is going to want to do it. Now, Joe Shane is also a scout, remember. He's got a scouting background. So, um, so yeah, I, I expect things to be better and I expect 
the personnel selections to be better because the Giants draft history, and I did an article on this over on, on Giants Country where I compared the Giants draft history of the last five years with the Bills, and there is no comparison. The Bills have been so much better. And I expect in time that the Giants and the Bills will be equal, if not maybe a little bit better down the line. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing the next five years, how that plays out. But right now, just no comparison between the two. And that's got to change. So thanks for that question. Um, up next, we hear from Denise Dara. Who is your favorite and least favorite Giants hire and why? Oh, you know what, Denise? Um, I don't think I can answer that question right now. And I'll tell you why I can't answer it right now. I haven't met the assistant coaches yet. So I can't sit here and say, oh, I like, you know, Andre Patterson, for example, but I don't like Wink Martindale. I want to hear from them myself, not not the interviews that, you know, Giants.com put out. I want to go and be able to ask my own questions, hear what they have to say, observe the body language, and get a feel for how these guys are. And I'm not just talking those two guys, I'm talking all of them. So it's a little too premature for me to say that I love this hire or I hate this hire. Um, I want to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. But I'll tell you what, Denise, I do expect at some point the Giants will make all the assistant coaches available to the media. I'm just not sure if it's when it's going to be. My guess is probably in April, like right around the time when they start the offseason conditioning program. So at that time, if you want to revisit that question with me, I'm happy to um, to address it at that point. But right now, you know, it's just not fair for me to sit there and say, you know, I like this guy and I don't like this guy based on, you know, personality or reputation or what have you. Um, ultimately, it's going to come down to results. I understand that. And all these guys have, you know, quite impressive resumes from what I understand. But I also want to take a look at personality, how they might maybe interact with players, uh, that sort of thing. So that's what I'm interested in finding out. So, but hold that question and let's revisit that question. Like I said, around maybe um, early April, mid-April, I should be able to answer that question for you um, a little bit better. Okay, up next, this, uh, I'm sorry, that shy guy uh, writes to me, I keep seeing articles about Evan Ingram coming back in 2022. With how bad he's been, do you see this happening? You know what? I I wouldn't rule it out. <laughs> And I know that sounds weird because I've said in the past that, you know, out of frustration, I might add, that I'm done with Evan Ingram and, and, and the drops and the, the you know, the, the, um, the concentration lapse and all that stuff. But here's the thing I keep saying about Evan Ingram and why I think potentially he could be back on a, you know, like a one or two year type of prove a deal. Evan is talented. And I've always said, that I don't think the previous coaching staffs have gotten the most out of him. I think the closest we've seen is maybe Ben McAdoo um, and when he had Evan Ingram in his rookie season. Now, does that mean that this next coaching staff, this new coaching staff is going to better utilize players, put them in better positions to succeed? Gosh, I sure hope so because there were times last year that I questioned whether the coaching staff last year always put guys in the correct position to re succeed. I thought 
There were times when maybe they were asking certain guys to do things that they weren't really good at doing. And the intentions were good. The, the intention was to encourage them to help them grow. But at some point, if a guy just can't do something as well as you need him to, you got to stop beating your head against the wall and stop asking him to do that and focus on what he can do. And I think they kind of got away from that whole principle to begin with. So, um, yeah, I, I could see Ingram coming back now is if somebody comes along and offers him a humongous deal, then no, I don't see that happening. But if he doesn't get a big deal, if he's as bad as everybody seems to think he is, I could see the Giants taking him back on a on another prove it deal, a one year prove it deal, and see if maybe the staff can get something some more out of him than what previous staffs have been able to. So thanks for that question. All right, up next, James Davies. On a scale of one to ten, how would you rate the Giants coaching staff that has been put together so far? Include the GM hire. Whew. Uh, James, I'll tell you what, you know, right now everything looks good. But I felt this way about the about Joe Judge um, and his staff. So we all kind of know what happened there. I'm a little reluctant to sit here and, and say, you know, jump up and down and say that they finally got it right. Because I've got to see results. As I'm sure you have to see results, as I'm sure the Mara and Tish family need to see results. Am I encouraged by some of the things that Brian Dable has done? Absolutely. I like the fact that he hasn't given jobs to all of his buddies, that he has tapped into different systems, that he has brought in coaches that have both NFL and college experience, with the exception of one guy, the running backs coach. And that he seems to want to have a more of a collaborative effort, a true collaborative effort. Regarding Joe Shane, um, that hire, what I like about it is that it's from outside the organization. So basically, the Giants mostly went outside the organization. A subtle yet very strong acknowledgement that what they had been doing for all these years wasn't working. So I am encouraged by that. But at the end of the day, I need to see results before I could say, okay, they hit this out of the park. I'm going to give it a 10 for all these hires. I need to see results. Encouraged? Yes. Um, but it's the honeymoon period. So we'll find out. But uh, a lot to like so far. That much I will uh, I'll give you. So, All right. We've got another question here from Adam Garrison who asks, are you concerned that Daniel Jones has not been cleared yet for football activities? No, Adam, it's only February. They don't play football until September. We've got a lot of time, my friend. All right, if Daniel Jones isn't cleared for football activities by late August, then I'll be concerned. Right now, no, not concerned. All right, uh, let's get another one in here. We have, um, this is an email question, actually, from Ronald L., and he says, uh, was thinking the Giants should move Saquon Barkley to wide receiver. He is a solid pass catcher with the superb speed and ability to gain yak yards after the catch. Given his apparent reluctance to hit the hole since the injuries, it seems he could thrive as a slot receiver and it might rejuvenate his career and give the team another dynamic receiver. What do you think? You know, Ronald, that's interesting. You should write that because over at Inside Football, which is a publication that uh, I'm also a part of. 
Um, that idea was actually floated, believe it or not. So it's interesting you write that. Um, I would say, you know, yes, it's, you know, Saquon is, has shown he's at his best when he can get out into space. I would say that I'm also dismayed when I see him try to run between the tackles and he pitter patters looking for that escape hatch. So, um, hmm. Does he have what it takes to be a receiver, a slot receiver? I, I suppose you could use him in that role, but, you know, to convert him full time, I don't know. Maybe you use him as kind of a gadget player. But, uh, yeah, uh, right now, when I look at Saquon, and to be fair, this could be a result of injuries, I don't see the same player I saw in 2018 or when he was at college. And that, again, could be due to injuries, but... Um, the idea of moving him to receiver, that's something we did float in inside football. I'm not going to lie. And uh, for those of you who are curious about inside football, uh, the website is shop.insidefootball.com. And uh, you can find out a little bit more about the publication. Basically, we do uh, X's and O's and we break down all the players. Right now, we have two issues out where we have gone into everybody's film. And we have given you like a synopsis of what everybody um, brought to the table, who might be back and so on and so forth. So that's what Inside Football is all about. It's a publication. A lot of Giant fans don't know about it, but you really need to know about it. It's uh, been around for 30 years and I've been a part of it since I want to say the 1990s, early 1990s. So really enjoy it. And that's kind of paved the way for this other stuff that I do now. So anyway, um, thanks for that question, Ronald. That was a really good one. And <laughs> that's amazing that somebody else uh, actually thought that because when I saw that idea I was like whoa that's that's something I don't see every day so all right uh one more question before we take a break let's see we have something from Michael B who wants to know uh something about Nate Solder when we first signed Nate Solder he was our only option giving him a humongous contract when we could have had LT and Whitworth in 2017 instead of Flowers Oh, was he our only option? Okay. Um, all right. So, Michael, you're asking about why the Giants went with um, Nate Solder over Andrew Whitworth. You're actually off a little bit. So um, the way it went down is that Jerry Reese, who drafted Eric Flowers, defended Eric Flowers as a left tackle. I mean, I remember sitting in the auditorium and he was being asked about him. And I remember Jerry Reese saying how Eric Flowers was compatible with other left tackles in the league. Because we were asking him, why didn't you sign Andrew Whitworth? Because at the time, Andrew Whitworth had had an interest in joining the Giants. And Jerry just was determined to die on that hill. And die on that hill he did. Because, you know, I believe the next year, the Giants ended up cutting Eric Flowers. Because Flowers was just, wasn't a fit for New York. Between the attitude, between... You know, the trouble with, with taking coaching. And not to mention, you know, he's turned out to be a better guard than tackle. And all those things ended up uh, creating the bust that we know him to be. So, um, so yeah, Jerry Reese doubled down on that. So now when Jerry Reese got replaced by Dave Gettleman, um, they knew that Eric Flowers was kind of on thin ice and they also kind of knew that he was not going to be the answer at left tackle. So 
I know fans don't want to hear this, but this is the God's honest truth. Gettleman really had no choice but to overspend on a left tackle because Flowers just wasn't going to work out. If I remember correctly, that in that year's draft, I don't think the Giants were in a position, I think, to get a, a, a left tackle. Um, and there was that sense of urgency of, oh, we can compete and we can rebuild at the same time. So there were a bunch of those factors involved as well. So uh, they moved Eric Flowers to right tackle. He eventually accepted moving to right tackle after pitching a fit. Um, he didn't last, and you know the rest is history, as they say. And also, I might I might also remind you that um, the year that they were courting Nate Solder, I believe they were also courting Andrew Norwell, who was a guard, and I believe Norwell ended up going to Jacksonville. Was it Jackson? Yeah, it was Jacksonville because Gettleman had him in Carolina. So it was a series of things, and it was just, you know, in retrospect, it was a cluster, you know what. And, uh, you know, but now the Giants have Andrew Thomas. Fingers crossed that Andrew Thomas can be their left tackle for the next decade or so, because uh, that, that whole thing with Nate Solder uh, did not work out. Nate's a great guy, by the way, but just he was well past uh, the prime of his career and they overpaid for him. Let's let's call it for what it is. So, all right, Giant fans, we have a few more questions coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast, a Twitter Tuesday edition. We'll answer those remaining questions when we come back right after this. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Twitter Tuesday here on the Locked on Giants podcast. But first, with the ever-increasing number of makes and models of cars, trucks, and automobiles, there's only one place to find what you need quickly for your car or truck, and that's at rockauto.com. Rock Auto is a family business with over 20 years of offering competitive pricing on thousands of parts for every make, model, and manufacturer. Check out their website and don't forget to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and they ship direct to your door. That's rockauto.com for all the parts your car or truck will ever need. rockauto.com all right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. I am Patricia Trena, and we've got, uh, let me see, five more questions on today's Twitter Tuesday. Hope you are enjoying the episode as much as I am. Uh, always one of my favorites. And remember, if you want to participate in Twitter Tuesday, all the information you need is in the show notes below. You can email us. You can tweet them to me. You can uh, text them. You can even call up and leave a voicemail with your questions. So that's all in the show notes, uh, regardless of if you're watching on YouTube or getting us on any of our audio platforms, where, by the way, the Locked on Giants podcast is available for free. So hope you take advantage of it. And uh, thank you all for listening to us. We appreciate you. So let's get into your remaining questions. We're going to kick this one off with a question from Jaden M sent via email. I was watching highlights in of the in the NFL YouTube channel put out recently. Dante Hall's highlights were the first to come out and he was shifty. He was also known as the first human joystick. How do you think Kadarius Tony compares to him? All right, Jaden, um, interesting question. Uh, Dante Hall, I had to look him up, to be honest with you. Um, he played uh, for the Chiefs 2000 to 2006 and the Rams 2007 to 2008. A little bit different era back then. But um, when it comes to Kadarius Tony, 
I don't think we saw enough of a sample size at the NFL level to to make any kind of comparisons. I can kind of see where you would be coming from uh, with your opinion, but I'm not sure I want to say that I see similarities. I don't think that would be fair. And I did find the YouTube uh, video that you were talking about. Um, you know, I, I don't really like to compare guys like that, but um, let's see. Let's see how Kadarius Tony looks and is deployed in this offense going forward. And I think then we can kind of, if we're going to make a comparison, we'll have a little bit better of an idea. But right now, I just don't think there's enough information to say, yeah, he's definitely, a, you know, the second coming of, of you know, Dante Hall or whoever. So uh, thanks for the question. Up next, we hear from Colin O. Will we see Joe Shane and company continue to invest in the D-line? And down the road, do you see them resigning them in future scenarios? Um, yes, to the first question, Colin. I do think the Giants are going to have to bring in uh, defensive linemen. They're going to be a little short there, I believe. Um as far as resigning them, I think you're you're referring to how the Giants have always in the past let guys go at that position and replaced them with new guys. That remains to be seen. I would kind of have to see what Buffalo did, um, if they have a history of doing that as well, because that's kind of the benchmark we have right now. But, uh, you know, too soon to say. I think it's all going to depend on the player and whether or not he develops as they expect him to. And if he does, then obviously they'll resign him. If he doesn't, then you'll move on, especially if there's someone who you think can replace him. And uh, I see you said, you know, I'm never a fan when team captains are let go. And you mentioned Landon Collins. And, you know, look, Landon Collins, you look at the contract he got from, from Washington, there was just no way the Giants were going to be able to afford that contract. So sometimes it's about the money. It's not necessarily about, oh, we want to keep this guy, but, you know, or we don't want to keep this guy. It could be about what the market dictates. So just keep that in mind when it, when a guy moves on. It's not always, you know, oh, we didn't want him back. So, okay. Um, next question comes from Daniel L. Why are you and other commentators so against a new contract for Lorenzo Carter unless he can be had for one or two years or very cheaply? All right, Daniel, I can't speak for other people. I can only speak for myself. My feeling is Lorenzo Carter has shown uh, signs of being a good pass rusher. Is he a, a Batman? No. Is he a Robin? Yes. Um, when I think of a Batman type of pass rusher, you think in terms of a TJ Watt, think in terms of a, you know, a Von Miller back in the day, think in terms of a JJ Watt, think in terms of a guy who you, ha you basically, you know, you have to double or triple team that guy because he's just going to draw all the attention. I don't think Lorenzo Carter is that guy. Now, adding to that, Carter had the injury issue, as you pointed out, the Achilles he also had a sprained ankle midway through last season. So there's a health concern here. Do I want to invest in a guy, you know, a big money in a guy that right now is showing that he's had some injury issues? No. I need to see the guy put together a full season, play at a high level, improve year after year. That is why I am more in favor of giving Lorenzo Carter a prove-it deal. So... That's my stance on it. As for other commentators, you'd have to ask them 
what their stance is on him. Thanks for the question. All right, I believe we have one more. And yes, we do. This is from Steve T. This is our last question for today's Twitter Tuesday. Do you believe Shane is going to try to salvage? I'm sorry. Do you believe Shane is going to rebuild or going to try and salvage as much as he can, like Gettleman did the first year, to realize the following year that they need to rebuild? All right. I can't speak about next year, but I see what your question is, Steve. You're asking me what's going to be Shane's approach. Is he going to rebuild and just work with a core or is he going to tear it down? I think that's what you're asking. Um, I think he's going to, he, he's going to identify a core where, which exists on this team, by the way, there is a core group of players. It's not a huge core, but it's, it's, you know, it's there. Um, and you're just going to have to fill in around it. You know, you have a solid left tackle and Andrew Thomas, you've got a budding star in, in, um, you know, Xavier McKinney and Aziz Ojulari on the defensive side of the ball. Leonard Williams is is a core player. Um, right now, you can make an argument that Daniel Jones and uh, Saquon Barkley are core players. Kenny Galladay is still a core player. So there's enough core players on the team that they can build around. Um, so it's not, it's not going to necessitate a complete teardown. Tear and you just... Uh, from a practicality standpoint, you cannot tear down the entire roster. It just doesn't work that way. You keep doing that and you're, you know, you're going to be stuck in this cycle. So I think he's going to look to supplement. Now, if you were to sit here and say, okay, do I think the Giants are going to be a playoff bound team in 2022? My answer is no. Do I think they're going to win more games than what they did last year? Absolutely. I mean, there's nowhere to go but up. So... That's kind of what I'm looking at um, for this coming year. Now, what happens the year after? That's all going to depend on how things work out. I can't predict that far down the line. I can only try to anticipate what's coming up in the next several months. And that's how I kind of see it going. So, all right. That is the last of our dozen plus Twitter questions on this Twitter Tuesday. I want to thank everybody for sending in questions and hopefully I didn't miss any. I think I went through everything and I didn't, but if I did, I apologize and uh, just nudge me if I, if I missed your question, I'll make sure I get it on, on the next show or I'll get it on this weekend um, in Giants Country's mailbag. So everybody, thank you so much for making the Locked on Giants podcast your first listen or first watch of the day. Make sure you tune in tomorrow. I'll have a brand new show for you. Until then, everybody have a fantastic day.